everyone. Welcome back. This is 30 Day Trial. I'm Weston. And I'm Clark. Nice. We're getting that timing down just a little bit better. This is week two of cooking or baking, however we decided to phrase that. I still don't really think we ended up coming up with a consensus of if we're going to call this like episode two of baking or is this episode five of 30 day trial? I don't know. We'll figure it out at I, some point. I'm, I'm all for the episode two of whatever subject because that way yeah. I feel like our <laughs> listeners, um, they, it'll be easier to follow if it's, I mean, cause as we do more podcasts and we get to 30 day trial, you know, episode 71. Okay. So what week on this subject are we on? I think yeah. it'd be a little easier in chapters. No, I agree. And so just as a quick reminder of everyone, we are recording in December of 2020. The world hasn't ended from COVID um, or anything like that, but it is a perfect month for cooking or baking ideas because at least in my family, December, you know, there's a lot more holiday baking. Um, It's not necessarily healthy or kind of the stuff that we cook all of the time, but there's a lot more specialty cooking. So it's been kind of interesting to play around with that and think about it in a little bit more of a scientific way, I guess, at least in my mind for this podcast. Yeah. Um, And I mean, the world hasn't ended, but only cooking in December is going to, it's only going to be helpful for you if you don't have COVID and you could actually taste the things you're cooking. So, yeah, we did talk about that last time, huh? We recorded and you couldn't taste anything. So it was pretty funny. Oh my gosh. That was not, I didn't, I I don't recommend that. It wasn't fun. (laughs) You don't recommend getting COVID. I'm sure. Well, COVID wasn't that bad, but the smelling and tasting was not fun. So not to get too far off of topic, but we're in our, both of us are in our early thirties, mid thirties, and I would say relatively healthy. Um, but I do know people our age that have had COVID and they're almost quote for word for word was I laid in bed for 10 days and it was the most painful experience of my life. I felt like all of the nerve endings in my body were on fire. So I, I think there's definitely a range of, it can be not that bad, like the flu, or it can be very bad for some people. So I'm glad it wasn't horrible for you. Uh, I pretty much had no symptoms except for just the smell and taste. And my my workout stamina is really low. But besides uh, yeah. that, I'm perfectly fine. Nice. Well, I guess that's good. New year, new year. Trying to new year, new you. Trying to get that uh, stamina back up. Yep. All right. So, Clark, if I remember correctly, last time we talked or were on recording a podcast, you said your cooking goal was to cook a single meal where where, that was good enough or you became well known for it that you could impress dates, right? Like a girl comes over, you cook a nice dinner and it's impressive. Yeah. How's that going? (laughs) I found a dish I like and it is chicken asparagus um, Alfredo. Okay. So for me... I'm trying to think. So there's some type of pasta noodles, right? Like if it's an Alfredo sauce, that means so it's some type of white cream pasta. I was going to say dressing, but pasta sauce. It's a white cream pasta sauce with noodles and then chicken and uh, asparagus. Yes, sir. Is the asparagus like, is it all mixed together or is it like 
pasta, Alfredo pasta, and then on another part of the plate, chicken, and on another part of the plate, asparagus? No, it's all mixed up. It's like, um, I wouldn't say shredded chicken, but it's just cut up chicken and um, pasta noodles. The last time I had it, it was actually spaghetti noodles, but you could do it. I, I mean, after eating it, there's could do it with really any noodles you wanted to do it but it's got um obviously a white sauce and um asparagus and it has almost a citrusy flavor too so it's got a little bit of a lemon in it which is really adds a nice dynamic to it i feel like all right so to steer us in a less than romantic weight does your pee smell weird when you eat asparagus um no, I think it does. But the one that really got me as a kid, do you remember the breakfast cereal cocoa crisps? No, I wasn't allowed to eat the sugary cereal. I was pretty oh, free. Smacks. With- Sorry, it's called Smacks. The cereal is called Smacks. I remember it, but I don't think I ate very much of it. I had it a lot as a kid um, because that's what my mom would buy. And that will give you instantly weird smelling pee. Like you will eat it at seven o'clock in the morning and then you go pee at eight o'clock and it smells funny every time without a doubt. Weird. So I just quickly Googled. So my pee, my urine does smell weird after eating asparagus and it seems like it hits very fast. And as always in our podcast, we very quickly get off onto tangents. Um, It has to to do with a high sulfur content in asparagus but there are some people it's like a genetic thing um that's what i was trying to look up i know it's not a hundred percent of people uh that can that this happens to i think it's a majority at least of americans that have an odd smell in their urine after eating asparagus but i don't have an exact percentage in front of me of um who it happens to Or like what the, uh, I guess that makes sense. So that's something maybe we can touch on that next time. Well, this is actually something we should consider for a podcast is um, learning about medical stuff because something I've always wondered about is, okay, so they say you eat something and it takes 72 hours to get out of your system, right? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that can play a difference on that, but uh, I don't know. 72 hours seems long to me, but there are some people who can have like GI just so, um, like their digestive tract issues and it goes through really fast, usually due to some type of trauma. Like some people, it only takes like two hours or something for it to pass through. And they're usually have some nutritional deficiencies because it's not in their body long enough to be broken down and like absorbed. So 72 hours to me again, sounds really long, but I, I know like water is going to go through the body fast, right? Cause it's a liquid versus if you ate like steak, it's much harder. And again, I don't have numbers for this. It's just kind of in the back of my mind, but I think I know where you're going. So when I eat asparagus, it takes like, 12 minutes and and if i went pee right after dinner my urine already smells right and i and you can see where i'm going with it so if something takes x amount of days to get through your system why is it that you can eat it and have an instant reaction that fast so i have no idea if i'm right on this but i would say it's probably based upon where it's absorbed so like this ties back into cooking something like a, a simple sugar. So like a white table salt or like white bread 
actually can be somewhat broken down and absorbed in the mouth versus something like chicken, right? You could hold a piece of chicken in your mouth all day and it's not going to break down like that. Sounds disgusting to me just thinking about it. But even when you chew it down and break it down, your food, there are some exceptions. And so if there's anyone who is very well educated in this, uh, I apologize for not knowing the the exact details, but most things actually aren't absorbed in your stomach. Your stomach is like the breaker downer of food. And then in your small and large intestine, that's actually when we pull the nutrients into our body. So depending on how far down whatever it is gets pulled into your body, they can be faster or sooner. So I'm guessing asparagus, whatever it is, is either absorbed in the mouth or the stomach or very early on outside of the stomach would be the only thing I can think of. Mm, That makes sense. So maybe we have sulfur, whatever absorbers in our stomach. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that does sound like a pretty good meal. Sounds, you know, impressive. Asparagus is not your like everyday greens. I feel like a lot of times when you go to a fancy restaurant or something, it's always, you know, that's the picture on the menu is the asparagus and the chicken. So sounds like you're on your path. Have you made it a few times or you said you had it with the, the spaghetti noodles? So yeah, I've, I've, I've had it. I've made it. It's good. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. It's actually something that I I actually kind of want it to become my signature dish. Cool. Pretty good. So I have been playing around with kind of just experimenting with cooking. So I guess what I mean by that is food that I already like or dishes that I already like, I've been tweaking in some way. So like if I make a grilled cheese, I've tried instead of the normal like shredded blend that I just throw on because it's always in the fridge and melts easily. I've been trying whatever smoked gouda or um you know a different block of cheese or something or i even tried i don't know why it came up twice within like one day it's one of those weird things where once you see something you see it often someone was recommending or saying how you could do a grilled cheese and instead of butter you put mayonnaise on the bread and it still toasts it like and it seems very similar because they're both fat so I tried that and it was, it was fine. I mean, I still think I would use butter. It just seems kind of weird to like flash, uh, heat mayonnaise on the side of a piece of bread, but yeah, that does seem- um, I guess where I'm going and kind of what it leads right into this is I found this book and there's a Netflix documentary of the same title. It's called salt fat acid and heat and it's a woman uh i'm gonna not say her name right you'll learn that's not one of my strengths it's salmon nosrat nosrat s-a-m-i-n space n-o-s-r-a-t and she it's, kinda, be, it's probably gonna be samin i would guess okay samin um and she dives into what she calls like four main principles of cooking. So salt, fat, acid, and heat and how they affect the cooking process or how you kind of taste food, um, how you eat food and kind of the cultural significance of each of those things, how they are kind of generally used in all cultures, but then also highlight some specific cultures. And I'm looking at the book right now 
and just to kind of give you a, how detailed she goes into something you would consider as relatively simple as salt. Just like the basics of salt, table salt, um, the flavor of salt, kosher salt, sea salt, and how salt affects flavor and seasoning is I am looking through it still. We are 30 pages in to the book and it's all just about kind of how salt works, the chemistry of it, how different salts change the taste of food. So that's kind of the, again, what I've been playing around with is changing kosher salt in a recipe for sea salt or Himalayan pink salt or, and I've been really enjoying it. Um, because I, I kind of like the science and the chemistry of how the cooking works or why it works. So I haven't been experimenting with new dishes. I've just been experimenting with new ways to make the same dishes that I've been making for a while. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. Like I tried, I did try a recipe for pizza with French bread on America's Test Kitchen. It's a video um, they put up a little earlier this year and I actually didn't like it. That's one of the sources that I said I was going to use, um, the French bread. It's just too much like bread. I like deep dish pizza, but I much prefer the other way. I homemade pizza with dough in a cast iron skillet. Uh, so it takes a little more time to cook, but this one was a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge bread person myself. I I'm the I'm the black sheep in my family when it comes to bread because my whole family loves dinner rolls and they always cook bread for every occasion and I am I'm just not a bread person and so when it comes to bread for things, I'm I'm definitely the wrong person to talk to because that's not something you're going to really get me to experiment with very much as bread. I like bread. Like I'll eat French bread or I'll have like deep dish pizza or rolls and things. I think it's just the, the texture of the French bread versus like the texture of the pizza dough. It just comes out wrong in your mouth. It tastes too much like toast. Um, it, It tastes more like you made cheese toast and put, pepperonis on it instead of like having a piece of pizza yeah no i i definitely understand that and for the record i actually don't dislike bread i actually like the taste of bread but whenever i'm at a big family function and there's there's food it's it's always it's not it's not that i don't like bread it's that i see all the other items you can eat and i consciously just have the thought i'd rather get full on this stuff than have bread contribute to that to that equation so i just think yeah it's good but i'm just not going to touch it so everything when it comes to bread everything just always sounds better than bread in my mind i think bread's interesting um again kind of going big picture with cooking is a lot of probably every culture i don't want to i don't like using absolutes most cultures everyone that i can think of has some type of like i guess basically before we invented forks which now I'm probably was thousands of years ago. So maybe I'm wrong on this, but every culture has some type of like flat bread. that's essentially just a, a vehicle to put exactly what you said, other higher nutrition, higher calorie foods 
into your mouth from the plate or the table without just like directly sticking your hands like in the pudding, right? So you have like bread or tortillas or some type of flatbread or like in Scandinavia, they have lefsa, which is kind of like a potato tortilla. So it's it's very similar looking to a, a tortilla, but it's made with potatoes instead of corn or wheat. And you have nan or naan, again, not great with pronunciations, but that's also a flatbread that's used essentially in in place of silverware. So it's silverware that you eat. Um, and I think just for most Western cultures, bread has taken that place. So we just use bread a lot as a way to get food into our mouth when it's finger foods like a sandwich. Yeah. It's, I don't know, I guess that was kind of a tangent, but just made me, you made me think of that, how there's better food or food you would rather eat, but sometimes it's just sam- sliced in between two pieces of bread. Yeah. Oh, true. Um, should I, should I move on to maybe some cooking tips that I've, I've found over the course of since our last podcast? Yeah, of course. Go for it. Yeah. All right. So I actually found this one really interesting. Um, when you're, when you're cutting up things for uh, a recipe, um, it says to put a damp paper towel under your cutting board. And <clears throat> I couldn't think about why that would, without reading why it was important. I, w- I was trying to think of maybe if I could figure it out on my own first, but then I couldn't. So I looked at it and it just says that, um, it prevents the cutting board from swiveling while you're trying to do something with a sharp knife. So essentially it makes it to where you get to keep all your fingers. I actually thought that one was really cool. Interesting. That is, would be my tip. I don't want to jump on your thing. So remember yours, but my tip would be get a nice sharp knife. Um, I don't think that anyone needs to spend tons of money to be a good chef, but if you only had, you know, one luxury item in your kitchen that costs too much money, basically, I would recommend a very nice Japanese or German knife. Um, that is very sharp. You have to be careful with it, but it's amazing what, how much easier and better cooking feels when you, you're using the price right tools versus like that weird steak knife that you've had for 15 years and has never been sharpened. So I'm actually going to piggyback on that a little bit. So, and you might roll your eyes at me on this one and everyone who is listening has probably ever has probably had the sales pitch at least once in their life or heard about it. Cutco knives are legit. Those are some really good knives. I had a girl I was kind of dating for a minute and she was getting big into selling that. She said, here, grab these, um, these food scissors and cut this penny. And you can literally sit there and just cut pennies in half with those scissors and they don't get dull. It's ridiculous. So I, th- I think I kind of stand by the same thing. I don't have a specific brand of knives um, that I recommend more or whatever. Uh, I just think they need to stay sharp. So I know I've used Cutco knives before that have not been sharpened in years and years. And I, I'm sure it started as a quality product, but any metal blade is eventually going to dull 
even if you're cutting like tomatoes with it and even right. something that's soft like a tomato you want to have as sharp as possible the sh- softer the tissue is that you're cutting through having a sharper blade actually makes it cut cleaner and nicer so yeah if you're using cutco knives awesome hopefully they're great i would just get them sharpened like once a year yeah and the idea behind cutco i mean and when they're not paying me to say this obviously but um they they honestly they do last longer um and you do still have to sharpen them at some point but i just feel like as a quality product they're going to last longer and stay sharp longer yeah that's just my thought probably yes they're probably either uh, I don't want to get into what they might made out, be made out of because it's just a blatant guess, but it's usually like forged steel or um, something like that uh, that'll hold a, a edge for longer. I'm probably wrong. Someone's going to contact us and be like, Weston doesn't know anything about how knives work, but that's high okay. carbon stainless steel. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. High carbon stainless steel so i just googled it high carbon stainless yeah i just looked up the knife that i have it's a shoon knife a s h u n and i really like it but i get it sharpened um once a month it's a japanese company i don't know how much cutco knives cost shoe knives are not cheap um but i have two of them and one is for kind of the all-around knife and then i have a smaller one used for um smaller more delicate tasks and those are the only two knives i've ever i ever use in my kitchen yeah that's i mean and it really doesn't matter as long as it's a high quality knife kind of that's what weston's saying is if you're gonna if you want to be moderately serious about cooking you should have some decent knives let's see that is uh, yeah definitely true keeping them sharp i think the only thing left i have to share is i started brewing kombucha again which is going kind of slow because it's a bacterial reaction fermentation essentially of black tea we might do a whole thing on kombucha or brewing so i don't want to go too deep into it it's not anything complicated um it's very simple to do but I started doing that again this month and it's just going slow because it's winter and the warmer it is, the faster the bacteria do their thing. So it happens faster. It takes about two weeks in the cold and one week in the, uh, warm. And I've, I've been enjoying that. Um, it's, it's fun to play around with and you can do a, a second ferment to get it flavored and, the health benefits are up in the air, but if you're someone who drinks a lot of soda and you just need something that's a little fizzy or tastes a little different than water, um, homebrewing kombucha could be a fun hobby to get into and probably healthier than soda. Right. Just about anything healthier than soda. I, I think it's funny you call it kombucha because, um, I mean, I live two states away and we, we call it com- kombucha over here. Mm, um, um yeah i guess it is an o i don't know com- i think it's i think most people here would call it kombucha like more yeah. emphasis on the o instead of the m com- kombucha but a kombucha is usually what what i say but it's it's funny because just because it's 
spelled a certain way doesn't mean it's going to be pronounced that way for different parts of the country because it's just interesting everything everyone's different well has utah modernized and started calling uh sugary carbonated beverage soda instead of pop or do you still call it pop I don't know if I've just gotten out of the habit of calling it pop because I've lived in like nine different states since I graduated high school, but I, I don't call it pop anymore. I call it soda, but I, I haven't paid close enough attention to know if people call it pop or soda. But I think I feel like with the modern with proliferation of of the Internet and social media and people being more connected, I feel like certain things do kind of die away in certain areas. You You get a lot less localized um culture with some things and that i think that's one of the things that's kind of gone away is i don't hear i don't think i really hear people say pop anymore but it could also be that when i graduated high school there was about a hundred thousand people where i live and there's now two hundred thousand people so everyone from california is moving here yes um do you have anything else or what are you what are you going to try and focus on for the next seven to ten days until we find a (laughs) matching schedule to record episode three again Probably just some some general uh, meat cooking tips. I feel like the one thing that has actually helped me a lot in adult life is um, cooking and seasoning meat a certain way. So I probably will want to give tips on that for episode three. Nice. Yeah, we could yeah dry rub versus wet sauce and marinating beforehand or seasoning while it's cooking. What about uh, you? What do you want to focus on? I think I need to try some recipes, kind of like what you were doing. I I stayed a little bit in my comfort zone today, or not today, this week, and uh, focused more just on experimenting with some small changes. Like I said, whether I'm using iodized table salt, which isn't really recommended, or if I'm using sea salt, you know, or changing the cheeses up in my grilled cheese sandwich or something like that. So I should try just a completely new dish or two or three have some fun with that in a quick note i think it's been about a month since i told everyone that i started a roth ira jumping back to month number one where we talked about stock market investing i have made six cents on interest yeah on on interest yeah more simple than what i was thinking but so i've made six cents on my (laughs) my retirement fund in a month I think we're good. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is 30 Day Trial. We'll talk to you next time.